Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. A, 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 a Giants podcast for Giants fans. By Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dotino. Down the sideline, into the end zone. Touchdown Giants! From the offseason, through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one Giants step. step. All right, it's London time. Cherry O England, let's take one giant step with us. That was terrible as I tried to half-ass do an English accent, but it didn't really matter. It's Sean Morris with Paul Dottino here on One Giant Step. Remember, if you are hearing this for the first time, hit that subscribe button, download anywhere podcasts are available, and of course, always free on the Odyssey app. Paul, you are going to play my Buckingham Palace friend from back on this side. Buddy, what's going on? You're talking to me, and that ain't no English accent, baby. <laughs> yes, the Giants head to England, and I, I'm i not nuts here, right? It's only been the Dolphin-Cleo-Lemon game plus the Landon-Collins interception game versus the Rams, right? I'm not forgetting another random England trip that uh, that has happened recently for the Giants. <laughs> yeah, you know, how, how wild is it? This uh, is the third time the Giants are going back over there, and in fact, they're one of eight teams that have made three of these trips Amazing as it sounds, this is the first time the Packers have been forced to yeah. play one of these things. Yeah, which is a part of this we're going to get to when we end the podcast and give our predictions as well. But let's start with uh, full disclosure. We are recording this on Thursday morning. So we are going off of things we learned Wednesday at practice. We have not had the injury report on Thursday yet at the time of recording. I feel like that's important based on when you might be listening to this to always state. Uh, the breaking news of the morning, actually within moments of us recording, according to Josina Anderson and now Jeremy Fowler piggybacking as well, uh, Landon Collins is reuniting with the Giants and he will be on the flight to England. The belief is, of course, that he will start on the practice squad. Uh, this is pretty, pretty crazy as we come full circle. I mean, not a lot of names and faces left around the New York Giants since Landon Collins last left the building, but he's coming back. And Paul, let me just say this. And you brought up the Tony Jefferson part of this earlier in the week that maybe the Giants don't like what they've seen from Tony Jefferson. It's crazy to see where the, the defensive backrooms come since we started in August. And you talked about, you know, basically how thin they were at safety. It feels like all they've done is add safety after safety after safety. Now, Landon Collins might be a hybrid type linebacker for this team. Maybe that allows Xavier McKinney to, you know, play a little further back. Nonetheless, I am very intrigued by the signing. Landon Collins hasn't been awful when not injured with Washington, was just never worth that deal. Clearly, the Giants aren't going to pay him a lot of money. Uh, this is an interesting signing and an interesting chess piece here for Wink Martindale. 
Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Interesting is probably the best word you could use. We speculated, as you mentioned the other day on the other show, about Jefferson. You know, is he exactly what they expected him to be? Does he have enough left? Or is Landon Collins going to supplant him? Um, you know, they brought in A.J. Klein, too. Yeah. Let, let's not forget that. Uh, he's He's been brought into the practice squad, and he's got that Buffalo Bills connection from, from the last few years. So, you know, I, I'm curious. I'm really, really curious how this is all going to shake down. I can't expect Collins to be available for, for the London game. I know there's some reports saying that he's going to make the trip. Come on. Yeah. In well, three I think days, just to, he's to not playing. Honest. Yeah, I think to make the trip, you got to remember, they're going to now practice and do walkthroughs Friday, Saturday. I think making the trip is just being around the team as much as possible and catching up as yeah. much as possible. The fact that they got this done this morning to get him on that plane to London doesn't necessarily tell me he's playing this week by all means, but it does tell me they must think highly of their plans of him going forward to want him acclimated with this football team, Paul. Well, I think something we have to take into account here, too, and I agree with you that Collins has been more effective over the last year that he played with Washington as a linebacker, more so than a safety. I don't know that his safety days are still ahead of him. I think they're probably behind him at this point. But let's not forget, as of yesterday, and again, we're taping this on Thursday morning, Julian Love was still in concussion protocol. Right. Okay? So that meant you have Belton, you have Pinnock, and you have Jefferson on the practice squad as the potential safety options. And then whoever the starter is, if Love can't play, becomes the third safety. Is it possible that there is some concern about Julian Love, not just sure. in the short term, but in the long term? And maybe Collins also factors into that equation. Uh, he, he, this, it's intriguing. Yeah. And, and the reason I think it's even more intriguing is there was a lot of reports down in Washington that Collins was really reluctant to the idea of basically just calling himself a linebacker and, and butted heads with Ron Rivera over that. So I think when he tried out for the Giants earlier this week, there was a lot of scuttlebutt of, you know, he's kind of a hybrid safety linebacker. Is he ready now to make that switch to linebacker? The reason I find this interesting now is... Jacina Anderson's tweet specifically calls Landon Collins a safety. And look, if you follow the breadcrumbs enough of both of their careers, it feels like Jacina Anderson's tied to a lot of Landon Collins reports. Indeed. So, yeah. So, you know, wherever you want to say her source could be there, the fact that she made sure to call Landon Collins a safety, I wouldn't call it a red flag or whatever, but it does tell me that Landon Collins necessarily isn't fully still committed to becoming a linebacker here either. Well, I will tell you this much, Sean. From his visit the other day, uh, I was told he is in incredibly great shape. Lost some weight, is felt, and just looked really, really good. Now, can that help him turn back the clock a little bit? Perhaps it can. You and I both know he's had a lot of mileage on those tires, yep. and he has got a very long injury list over the course of his career. But if that's what it took, to have him break his own butt during the offseason to lose weight, to get in better condition, and to get in better shape to potentially squeeze some more juice out of that orange, well, then God bless him. Yeah, no doubt about it. Now, speaking of Giants that we have loved in the past, by the way, this is why you don't throw out jerseys if you're a fan. I still got my Landon Collins jersey. Can't wait. And I'll add that back to the rotation. You know that's being worn in a couple of weeks. Hey, I still got my Tarkenton jersey. There you go. You never get rid of them, Paul. You never get rid of them. I wore the Bavaro last week just to go with the jerseys on the field. Now, Nick Gates 
practicing, being activated, and essentially has 21 days to figure out whether he's going to be a part of this football team or placed on back on the pup list and ending his season as well. Uh, this was something where Sterling Shepard didn't go home, hung around to see Nick Gates practice. Nick Gates clearly means a lot to that locker room, and Nick Gates with no ties to this current coaching staff, that coaching staff sees how much he means to guys in that locker room as well. We have talked about the interior of the offensive line at times being a disaster this year. Paul, I got to say, Nick Gates being back at practice, I don't know what the realistic expectations are, but he's back there. The team seems to be rallying around him, and the Giants have a need there. These next three weeks are going to be really fun from a practice perspective because Nick Gates can come, you know, basically be a folk hero for this fan base in a couple weeks. Well, let's hope he doesn't have any setbacks or has any other injuries like pulling a hammy or, or injuring a quad while he's out there on the practice field. You'll recall, I mean, since we've been doing these shows, I told you mid-October you would see Nick Gates. Yeah. This was not a surprise to me. And by Halloween, you would see Shane Lemieux. Uh, he is he is coming pretty quickly. And Matthew Perry is also going to be uh, – in that pipeline rather talk about a guy you forget about huh a guy you forget about because of Devery Hamilton right Matthew Parrott forgot about well think about how Parrott immediately would slide in to me as the third tackle yeah you know as soon as he's able to to get cleared and Lemieux certainly uh you know let's not kid ourselves uh I think as as soon as he can get his practice activation going and then if if he's up to speed he's going to be right in the mix to potentially be the starting left guard again so who, who knows what happens with Gates because yeah. we know he's got the ability to play center or guard and, quite frankly, can play left guard or right guard. So at the very least, the 21-day activation period gives them time to evaluate where he's at. And if all lights are green, you'd like to believe he could potentially not only push somebody but maybe even take a slot. I, I mean, I would love it. I would sign it right now. I would feel basically Nick Gates, even on one leg, I would feel a little more comfortable than some of the players that have played. Although, again, Ben Bredesen's played a lot better recently. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, the, the quarterback conversation about who should start coming off of Wednesday's practice is a little lengthier one. So I want to hit on a couple quick names here on where we think they stand Thursday morning before we have that conversation. 
Uh, first and foremost, and I'll talk about them in tandem. In the worst way with Kenny Galladay out, Wandell Robinson and Kadarius Toney. It, it feels like at some point, if this is going to be a weekly conversation, they should have been on IR to begin with. Paul, where do you think we're at with both guys as we stand Thursday morning? Well, the medical staff, uh, in consultation with the coaches, had decided not to put either one of them on IR with the anticipation that they would see them before the four-week waiting period. I don't know why Wondell Robinson wound up going an extra week. I thought there was a legitimate chance when he first went out with the sprained knee that we would see him this past weekend. That did not materialize. He was able to do stuff at practice yesterday. Uh, I'd say they're very, very optimistic that he's going to be able to play on Sunday. As far as Kadarius Toney, he has got to be the Howard Hughes of this <laughs> roster because wow. – you just don't know what this mystery man is going to do day to day. I mean, uh, I'm not going to lie to you, Sean. We were all shocked to find out yesterday that he was actually going to practice. And now today, who knows if he's going to practice or not, or if he's going to practice tomorrow, or if he's going to play on Sunday. He is Howard Hughes. I, I, and you know, and then it's weird because you get these teaser videos of practice and there's, you know, a snippet of a video of Brian Dable slapping hands with Kadarius Tony and he's smiling. It's like, well, clearly they feel like they're in sync and having a good time from a fan's perspective. It's like, I, it drives you nuts. You wish you didn't have to count on Kadarius Tony. And I, I'm not saying the giants are, but from a fan perspective, the position sucks and is thin so bad that you, you, you're dying to see the guy out there. So that being said, the Wandell Robinson thing is interesting, right? Because as you have been all over this Dane Belton stuff, they, the Giants continue to play him. Daniel Bellinger continues to develop as a tight end. And the reason I'm saying all these, and obviously Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau are going to play, the Giants are going above and beyond making sure they are playing rookies and not just their first-round rookies, these other guys, Bellinger, Belton on the field. I got to think that means if Wandell Robinson is healthy and knowing the, you know, the opportunity they're at a position – the Giants got to be in a spot where they would want to get Wandell cooking and give him as much of the playbook as he can handle. Yeah, there's no question. Again, remember, he was drafted as a scheme-specific draft selection. So they've got stuff prepped for him, stuff that they want him to run. It'd be a great time to break it out. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I should add to you, I, I do know that David Sills and Darius Slayton have put in a lot of extra work on their own. Uh, in terms of pass catching, they they have they have taken it upon themselves to go above and beyond practice time to well, to good. try to try to help because I think they both know that they've been somewhat disappointing. Yeah, that's good. I hope that Slayton is with the jugs machine working on drops. And I would put like one of those dog collars on David Sills. And every time he takes a step backwards after he catches a pass, I would buzz it until he gets it through his head that you got to keep moving forward. Because if I lose one more yard with David Sills, I'm going to lose my mind come Sunday morning, Paul. So I hope that that's what they're working on. But that's really good to hear. I'm glad they're hearing it. Uh, one more guys, one more guy that's really interesting gets hurt on the lateral play. So injury bug after injury bug, but really feels like he's gotten going. Aziz Ojolari not practicing Wednesday, Paul. How serious is this calf injury? It's driving me nuts. And I don't even blame Ojolari the way I blame, not blame, but, you know, the way I get frustrated with Tony, I'm not getting frustrated at the player in Ojolari, but it's just driving me insane, the injuries with him. Sean, the calf injury has become the real bugaboo over the league in the last two years where unfortunately the medical staff will tell you they can never give you a duration on a calf injury. 
They just don't know. They have not been able to isolate treatments enough that they can say, look, this is a second grade or a third grade or a first grade calf injury, and this is what we can do to treat it, and here's the expected amount of time the guy's going to miss. The, the, the training staffs of these clubs are, in all honesty, at wit's end. They don't know enough about these calf injuries to be able to correctly diagnose them or give you a prediction. And being that I don't have a medical grade degree, I'm not going to go there either. But I will tell you, it is as frustrating as can be for Ojolari. He badly wanted to play against Carolina. If you recall, he had a big game against them last year. Yeah. And when they told him, nope, it's still not ready to go. You can't, you can't play. He was very, very frustrated, only to be able to come back, of course, this past week. And it looked like, uh, you know, he, he was doing some things. But what are you going to do now? I, uh, again, so unpredictable. I hesitate to even be optimistic that he might make it against uh, the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I'm going to go under the assumption he's not going to play, and you're going to get a lot of Jihad Ward and O'Shane Zimenez on the other side of, of K. Which isn't Zimenez. a bad thing. No, those guys have, have been fine. And look, I, uh, the more Jihad Ward I see now, the more I love him. I, I mean, heart, inspiration, everything. But, you know, let's face it, Kayvon Thibodeau has a long ways to go here as he develops his pass rush skills. Aziz Ojolari, it just feels like in the second year, he's made in each of the last two weeks. I mean, the holding he drew versus Dallas and then clearly the strip sack he had this week. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. making game-changing plays, and to see him yeah. get hurt again is incredibly frustrating. Okay, One now thing to note, though, yeah. Sean, one thing to note. Jones and Dylan are about as good a one-two punch running the ball right now as anybody in the league. And the Packers are heavily leaning on them for a couple of reasons. One, their offensive line is a much better run-blocking offensive line. And number two, the Packer wide receiving core is nothing like what it's been in the past decade. And Aaron Rodgers, for him, is having a pedestrian season. In fact, he's already thrown interceptions in three of their first four games. And so... They are right now a, a team that prefers the run. I think Jihad Ward becomes a very important player, again, in this type of, uh, of defensive set. I, I would agree completely. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, Paul, time to talk about the quarterback situation. And that first portion of the podcast you listened to 
was taking place a little bit before Thursday's practice as we waited to get a little uh, more feel of what was going to go on at the quarterback position. And as it stands right now, we are two for two on days of Daniel Jones practicing. And he was first up on Thursday with the first team at quarterback seemingly moving around well again, which would have been my biggest question is not just Daniel Jones playing. How is Daniel Jones moving? And Paul, I think we need to start operating under the assumption we're getting Daniel Jones playing a football game in London here. Yeah, I think that is the way the arrows are pointing right now, Sean. Uh, From the eyewitness uh, reports that I can give you from watching him, he was able to roll right, he was able to roll left, he was able to drop back into the pocket and plant and fire and even do some light jogging between the drills. He looked to be moving fine and I didn't see any swellness in his left ankle. Uh, It was taped. I'm not going to lie to you. He definitely has some tape, and he's wearing red high tops, not the Johnny Unitas black high tops from like 50 years ago. Okay. Red high tops, okay, Uh, and does say it gives him a little bit more support. But uh, he is extremely optimistic, and his teammates uh, talking to them after practice in the locker room seem to be very optimistic about Jones being able to do what he needs to do against Green Bay. So I'm not entirely sure how I feel about this. So full disclosure, Paul and I kind of had the same mindset heading into Thursday, which was, hey, if Daniel Jones is good enough that he's taking reps in practice but doesn't have his full artillery of mobility, maybe the play is he dresses, as we've seen NFL players serve, as a backup, and worst case, break glass in case of a Davis-Webb injury emergency, that's when you go to Daniel Jones. Here's my my million-dollar question, Paul. I've seen, I know that I've seen with my own two eyes, Daniel Jones play quarterback without his legs and being injured. And I know with my own two eyes, it hasn't been pretty. And it doesn't mean that he's not a tough player for going out there and playing. All we heard was that it was an ankle. Brian Dable played it close to the vest. Is it possible it really wasn't ever an ankle sprain? And it was, you know, hey, he twisted an ankle and we know we're not professional athletes. We've done that and been okay after two, three days. I mean, if this is truly an ankle sprain, then I still hold my breath on what exactly he'll be able to do Sunday. Well, I, I don't want to diagnose him medically because I don't have that doctor's degree, but I, I will say this. Uh, it seems to me that, you know, two years ago when he had the sore hammy and the sore ankle and he talked his way onto the field, he was not the same player. You and I both agree. Yeah. And we did not enjoy watching him that day. That wasn't fun. No. That was no. not fun. Now, no, he's moving much better today as we tape this on Thursday, much better than he was two years ago because I watched him practice then. And it doesn't even look like the same guy. He's much more fluid okay. right now. Well, that- so whatever the case may be, that, of course, included a hamstring too. He had a hamstring and an ankle. Right. Now he's only got supposedly an ankle. But here's what I will say, uh, Sean. It, it's my, my opinion that – If he is good enough to play and good enough to be effective in the coaches' minds, they have a responsibility to the rest of the team to put the guy out there who gives them the best chance to win. And if they believe that Jones, at whatever percent he is, is better suited than Davis Webb, then they have to put him out there. But I will say this. They also have a responsibility to Daniel Jones not to necessarily give him those running plays that's in the playbook because that puts him in harm's way and that would give you a lesser chance to win if he gets knocked out of a game. Now, I will tell you, I made some phone calls. You know, I've been doing this for 40 years. So I made some phone calls. And I asked some people who played quarterback 
and also who have coached quarterbacks. If a right-handed throwing quarterback has a sprained ankle or pain in his left ankle, specifically his front foot, how could that possibly affect his mechanics when he's playing the game? Oh, we went real deep. Oh, I went real deep. That's what I do. <laughs> All right, what do we got? So what I was told is that depending upon his mechanics in the pocket, if he is a torque thrower, that is somebody who uses his twist at the waist to get extra mustard on the ball, it's not a big deal. But if he is a weight shift and balance thrower, which he is more of, I don't see him as a torque thrower. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay? He's more of a weight shift and balance thrower. Now it depends on how much weight shift he puts on his back foot, that's his right foot, which he plants in the pocket, compared to his front foot. I diagnose him as a light weight shift thrower, not a heavy weight shift thrower, which means there will be a more minimal effect on his throws. But what I was told is that you can look for erratic passes that will either be wide, specifically when he's throwing to his left, or would be low and short because of the pain in the left foot. Now, this is a generic mechanical type of analysis that I was given. It is not specific to Daniel Jones, but it's something you guys might want to watch for. It, that makes me very nervous, Paul. Now, I will say this. I I give the coaching staff this if Daniel Jones goes out there and plays football on Sunday. If we wake up Sunday as we expect and he's going to be the starting quarterback, I personally feel like I have seen a coaching staff be ultra uber conservative and cautious with guys coming back from injury, right? I mean, Kadarius Tony, who knows week to week, Wandell coming back at uh, Leonard Williams. They didn't allow him to talk himself back onto the field for two weeks. And right. the list goes on and on and on and on. Uh, so far through four weeks of the season, the giants, unfortunately have dealt with a lot of injuries and I haven't seen a lot of guys rush through, or dare I say, really playing with true injuries. I mean, geez, even the Thibodeau Ojolari stuff, they weren't necessarily rushed back. So if Daniel Jones takes the field on Sunday, I am under the impression from what the coaching staff has showed me that I think Daniel Jones is forget weight shifting those full go full go with his running ability. I really, really, really believe that. I don't think that they would let Daniel Jones take the field without his full complement of being able to run. Now, does that mean they scale back the runs? Sure. But I don't think that they're going to put Daniel Jones, knowing this offensive line's issues either, and sit back there and say, hey, now you're a thrower with this weak wide receiver room and we versus a great pass rush in Green Bay, and they're going to tee off on you without your running mobility. If they're playing him, Paul, i got to assume he's able to run. Well, they've got to, as I said earlier, they've got to be sure in their minds that he's not a safety risk to himself. And then they also have to be sure that in their minds – he is capable enough to give them the best chance to win. If if he's cleared both of those hurdles in Brian Dable's mind, and maybe even perhaps Joe Shane's mind, then he gets the green to play. And so I agree with you that there has to be a standard that he's got to clear. Uh, it sounds like and looks like as we speak right now that he's cleared it. I, I hope that's the case. And look, maybe that does give an emotional... Uh, you know, uplift to this team. I mean, if Daniel Jones goes out there on national TV, 
on a Sunday morning where he's under all the scrutiny and he, you know, he games it out and he looks the part. I mean, I think he already kind of got respect nationally a couple of weeks ago in a loss versus Dallas. People kind of were like, wow, can't blame Daniel Jones for that one. Maybe this is a spot where the team rallies around him. And maybe, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe this could be a big moment for his career, but I, I'm going to feel real sick to my stomach come noon on Sunday. If the team is uncompetitive as a result of Daniel Jones turnovers and not being able to run the football game, like that would really dishearten me. Uh, and, uh, and I'm sorry, I think would take a little bit of that shining glimmer that so much of us as fans are feeling around Brian Dable and the staff away for like, oh, man, you really let that guy go out there and play like that? What are we doing? Yeah, I think circumstantially, if if this turns out to be a rotten egg uh, on Sunday morning, I think there's going to be a lot of feelings like what happened two years ago with the Cardinals when he forced himself yeah. onto Joe Judge, went out there, and a very beatable Cardinals team just teed off on Daniel Jones and beat the Giants into, into the stadium field and, and just made you like shake your head like what in the world just happened? Why was he in the game and why did the Giants just get their butt kicked? You do not want to feel that again. Sean, I, I, I don't even want to see the stomach contents that are no. going to be all over your shirt. No, no, and I can already tell you, we're playing. My dad's got the backyard bar. We're going pancakes on the hot flat top outside. We got eggs. We got bacon. We are doing the full kegs and eggs experience. We're ready to go. A couple of mimosas. I can't be throwing that up at halftime if it's, you know, 21-3, and we're not moving the ball, and Daniel Jones is getting crushed back there. So I hope that's not the case. And by the way, as we're about to do fantasy and reality, that's the reality of the situation I'll have. Chocolate chip pancakes all over me. Paul on the MSG pregame after doing a five-mile walk, and there's me being a piggish slob on a Sunday morning. <laughs> Different types of scenarios here as we head into Sunday morning. All right, it's time to look ahead before we make our game predictions and give our fantasy versus reality takes here as we do on one giant step leading into every game. My fantasy play this week for the Giants if you have him as a kicker, I'm all in on Graham Gano, Paul. He missed that kick, which, you know, again, could have been a problem had that lateral gone crazy uh, for the Bears at the end. But look, I saw Will Lutz kick a ball from over 60 and then miss one just barely off the upright in this same stadium. We know Graham Gano's got the leg. We know he's beat us from 60. Uh, and I think, unfortunately, this is going to be a game for the Giants where I think they're going to settle for a lot of field goals. I think they're going to get stoned in the red zone. And how could you not feel that if the if the Packers load up the box and Saquon doesn't break one? Uh, maybe the tight end gets free for a touchdown. But I think that you're going to get you know, three, four field goals, dare I say five field goals out of Graham Gano. I think anytime the Giants cross midfield, they might be aggressive and then ultimately settle for three. So that would be my fantasy play. My reality here, uh, Packers special teams have not been good for a couple of years. Rich Bisacci is in there this year. We've seen bad special teams plays in some of these Giants games cost them or at least hurt them in certain spots. Now, they've also recovered fumbles, but Richie James has had a fumble. Bad field position. There's a big return here or there in some of these games. The Giants can't be giving Aaron Rodgers short fields, and they can't be giving the Packers offense senseless turnovers on special teams. We're going to have enough to worry about with Daniel Jones and the legs. Who knows? Pick, fumble, whatever goes that way. We can't have the special teams cost the Giants the game. That's my reality worry in this game. Oh, I don't think there's any question. The two best paths to victory for the Giants, to take one of Parcells' old phrases, is clearly the running game in Saquon Barkley. Make sure he gets himself about 30 touches. Obviously, some of them will be in the passing game as well. But the Packers' secondary 
they do not support the run very well at all. In fact, their safeties just really have done a terrible job on the ground game. And so you look at that and you say, my God, if Barkley can get some holes up front, he could make some very big plays in the running game. So you got to keep feeding him the rock because eventually he will be able to break some big ones, I would think, sometime during the course of the second half. So I do think he's a great fantasy play, but that's the chalk. So yeah. I will say, to me, I also know that when your quarterback's trying to get rid of the ball quickly, and maybe they'll try to do that with Daniel Jones, you always look at the tight end. The tight end can always be the best friend of a quarterback if he's looking for the quick release. And that's why Daniel Bellinger, I just got a feeling if you want a sleeper pick on fantasy, Bellinger could easily catch four or five balls and maybe even catch a touchdown pass in this game. And that would not shock me at all, uh, especially out of the play action. If Barkley gets it going, they're going to be trying to cheat on him. And that's going to give Bellinger an opportunity to make some plays. As far as the special teams, that's the second path to victory. The Packers special teams have been abysmal for years. Now they're barely functional, which is a, an improvement for them, but still not very good. They're giving up an awful lot of yards in the return game. The Giants need to take advantage of that and give themselves some short fields. And we'll see if they can take advantage because those are the two things, the Giants running game and the Giants' ability to potentially win big on specials that would give them a realistic chance of upsetting this Packers team. Paul, I'm going to tell you right now, if Gary Brightwell returns the opening kick for a touchdown, I'm doing Monday's podcast butt naked. I'm just telling you right now, that's what's going to happen if we get a big play on special teams to start. Paul I'd rather he right get now. tackled at the one. Is that all right? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, so would my wife. So would my wife. So, <laughs> All right, with that, let's give our <laughs> Our game predictions. Uh, I'll start it off, Paul. I, I do think we lose this game. I think the defense does make some plays here, and I think it's closer than you think, and I think we are very much teased in the fourth quarter and invested in the fourth quarter. Ultimately, though, I think we'll have some red zone struggles. As I mentioned, the Graham Gano kicks. A little bit of an oddball score here. I think we lose this game 20-15, to 15, but we will be in it, and maybe Daniel Jones has a chance to lead us down for a touchdown late. I just have a feeling this is one of those games we're going to lose here. Well, you know, the Giants are, are second in red zone defense in the league, allowing touchdowns only 36% of the time. So the bend but don't break has been terrific. I think the run defense is going to provide much more resistance to the Packers than they're used to getting. So I do think the Giants are going to be able to keep it close and competitive. And quite frankly, uh, I'm not so sure about the Giants offense, even though they're going to be able to run the ball. I don't know that they're going to open it up and explode this week either. So I see it being a low-scoring game. I'm looking at the Packers with a 50% red zone defense, which is tied for 10th in the National Football League. So it's not that they're slouches either. And by the way, their first down, uh, their third down defense is by far the best in the league at under 24% third down conversion rate, which is insane, absolutely insane. So – I'm looking at the Packers winning this game probably like 20 to 16 because I think it'll be a much slower game than people expect. And I think that you'll get a, a lot fewer possessions for each of these quarterbacks. And even though they may drive between the 30s, I don't necessarily think we're going to see a lot of touchdowns. What is this? The price is right, Paul. I go 15, you go 16. You're just trying to outdo me by one point. Is that what we've done? Well, here? This morning, this morning I thought it would be 13. And then when I saw Daniel Jones moving as well right. as he was, I so figured Daniel I'd give Jones. Him a field goal. 
tries to get another field goal thanks to Daniel Jones. Or maybe look at it as another touch. Who knows? Whatever, Howard. Maybe it's two touchdowns and a safety at this point. Uh, <laughs> that's going to wrap it up. Paul, where can we find you on Twitter here throughout the weekend? At GiantsWFAN. You can follow me on Twitter at CBS. Enjoy a little breakfast in Big Blue. Thanks for taking one giant step with us.